Good evening, everyone. I'm Kenz. And I'm Alexis. Welcome to Spectral. made it to this episode uh thank you we know the audio has not been ideal we're hoping to improve with each episode so thanks for hanging in there with us um before we even jump into the episode i wanted to quickly bring up what's been happening at burning man right now i'm hoping things are resolved or at least better by the time this episode comes out but today's labor day and things have been kind of a mess And what's been really interesting on our end, there have been some strange claims about what actually might be happening at Burning Man. Do you, have you heard anything about this? Of course I have. Okay. So, um, if you don't know what Burning Man is, it's basically a week-long desert campout festival art installation conglomerate, I guess, that also focuses on environmental awareness and survivalist skills. Um, Sounds like your dream. Yeah, not really. Not really. The art part's cool. And the survival mentalist. <laughs> yeah, but I hate the heat. and It's in the desert. The cold desert. Okay, so it's in the Black Rock Desert in Nevada. Well, around day five, I think it's like ten days or two weeks, but... On day five of the festival, so this past Friday, September 1st, the makeshift desert community started receiving heavy rain for like two days straight that flooded the desert and created this massive mud pit that's ankle deep. That sounds so totally normal and not like a product of climate change. You know what? Maybe. I'm pretty sure when I was researching it, it was saying that within this like 48 hour period, they received, it was either four or six times the normal amount of rain they receive um, in like a year. <laughs> it's, it's like an insane The earth is of, burning. <laughs> it's like an insane amount of rain um, that happened very, very fast. So, yeah, basically it's this giant mud pit and there are tens of thousands of people that are just stranded with many of their tents and like makeshift structures destroyed and the event organizers started telling the attendees to begin conserving food and water so this was a couple days ago right this like kind of happened they're just surviving yeah i mean some people are still out there and their g-strings dancing around living their best lives so some people are making the best out of it others are suffering so i don't know if you heard but chris rock and diplo had to walk like five miles in the mud just to try to get out. Together? Like yeah. as friends? Yeah, together as friends. And they were actually picked up by like a caravan of fans that drove them out the rest of the way. That's probably a really good bonding experience. Um, you know what? Maybe. Do you know my grandma met Chris Rock one time? I feel like that's a lie. No, it's not a lie. My grandma on my dad's side, she met Chris Rock. Oh, that at, makes more sense. At a restaurant in Disney World. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that checks out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, a lot of people aren't thrilled with how Nevada state government and the event organizers are handling this. The organizers haven't let any vehicles 
or ATVs attempt to leave or drive in unless it's like EMS, like emergency kind of things. Um, and they have the location gates locked. So no one's getting in or out, I believe until today, Monday. But the local police departments and government officials had closed down the main roads and main airport leading in and out of the festival. Biden has made a statement about it yesterday because it's gotten to a level where it's starting to get, you know, a bit dangerous. Joey's gotten involved. Joey. (laughs) Um, And one woman died and she's in her early 30s. And this is where like things kind of get suspicious because... There's been, like, some conspiracy-ish theories coming in about it. So it's just going around on, like, TikTok and Instagram. Nothing actually credible. What do you mean? Yeah. But it is interesting. So the flooding at Burning Man and some of the surrounding area was bad enough that it's been declared a humanitarian crisis. So FEMA has been sent in to, like, assist where they can. However, there are texts and posts coming out from attendees saying there are other government agencies showing up in full hazmat suits, and taking people who have fallen ill away from the area. The stated symptoms that are being discussed were boils forming on the skin. Love that. Vomiting. That's my favorite. And hemorrhaging. From where it doesn't say, but one text exchange that's like blown up explained a man was throwing up coagulated blood. So it makes this shadier in a lot of people's books is that one woman that died. Um, Because the police have said it's still under investigation, so they won't say much about it, but they have said that it's not weather-related. Which most people assumed it was because of all of the mud, and, like, it would be weather-related and not anything else. So now, many people are thinking that this death might be from this mysterious illness that's kind of going around that requires hazmat suits. So, there's there's two main theories, I guess. Um, one, and the most prevalent theory, I should say, is that it's an Ebola outbreak. Oh my god. Yeah, and that's why they've been trying to keep festival goers isolated and contained. And that's why there are full hazmat suits. Um, in addition to why FEMA got involved so fast. So, the other theory is that there's some new affliction that's coming from the mud. So the festival takes place on this like prehistoric dried lake bed that is uh, has clay dirt that's really alkaline. And it's like really common for festival goers to develop what's called plyo lung from inhaling the clay dust when it's very dry. Why is it called plyo lung? Oh, because that's a good question. But because they call the main area the playa, I guess. They call a desert the playa. I know. Playa means beach, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why, but they do. I'm sure if you Google it, it'll tell you, but... Nevada. With all the rain dissolving what's found in the clay dirt, there is concern that walking around barefoot for extended periods of time, which many people are doing because um, when you're walking in shoes, the shoes are just getting stuck in the mud. I would probably... I'd be one of these people, I'm sure. Like, and you ruin your shoes. And, and you ruin your shoes. <laughs> Definitely their main concern. So a lot of people are just ditching their shoes and walking around barefoot. And then what's happening is, obviously, like, if you think about like a clay mask, it can dry out your skin. It do. If you're walking around in this clay mud for days, 
it's like drying up people's feet can cause cracks and then this really high level of like alkaline concentrated mud is seeping like directly into your bloodstream so that's kind of like one theory that's going around with it too i would be more concerned about getting uh, trench foot from just being wet you know like my feet being wet for that long that would be my main concern yeah you do have a weird fear of trench foot i know i really do it's really really unfounded but (laughs) (laughs) but i saw a picture in like a high school textbook name two people you know that have ever gotten trench foot nobody nobody i know (laughs) but it really freaks me out um yeah basically the high concentrations of minerals and alkaline whatever else is in this dried lake bed is absorbing right in their bloodstream via cracks in the feet um or cuts that they have because they you know roughen it so everyone's advice to not go barefoot, and a lot of people are wearing, like, plastic bags on their feet. Couture. I mean, listen, they're making it work, but um, it's kind of what's been going around on social media. It's all these, like, conspiracy theories that it's Ebola or the strange new illness that all of the mud is causing. But I guess we'll see how it plays out. Um, hopefully it gets better. Hopefully. So after that very long introduction, we'll get into today's stories. Um, they're about... Two Legends of Appalachia. Appalachia. Yep. (laughs) And this is going to be a volume one, as I'd like to tell as many of these stories as possible, because there are plenty, and oh my god, some of them are incredibly scary. So I'm going to preface this now. I'm from Pennsylvania. So am I. Oh yeah, Alexis is a a transplant, but yes, she's from Pennsylvania now. That's literally so rude. I was born and raised here. Okay. Okay. Literally the last episode, we're like, Indiana, where Lexus is from. Um, I'm from Indiana, Pennsylvania. Okay. So. Um, she's a liar. She's she's from Indiana, but now I'm lives in Pennsylvania. So, because I'm from Pennsylvania, I was raised pronouncing everything Appalachian and Appalachia. And that is the most common way to say it for the northern half of the mountain region. But I know the southern and, like, central southern half pronounces the whole region as Appalachia especially in the majority of the states these tales are in. So I'm probably going to end up using them interchangeably. It's all regional dialect. No one roast me because I'm really excited to tell these. Just roast her anyway. No, don't roast her. Just me. do it on Instagram. We won't be able to trace it. Okay. <laughs> roast <laughs> Cut that out. No, leave it in. <laughs> I want everyone to see how mean you are. All right. So some background about Appalachia. If you're on the spooky side of social media, you'll know that Appalachia is definitely having a moment right now. There are TikToks and YouTube videos of people hiking the trail or who live near or within Appalachia, hearing things like blood-curdling screams, wails. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Did Did you immediately think of, like, ocean... Like, I immediately thought of Dory speaking whale, yeah. just to be clear. Yeah, I could see it in your face that you didn't understand. <laughs> I was like, whales <laughs> in the mountains. They're here, blood-curdling screams, whales, laughing, whispering, sometimes for hours at a time. But the locals will always tell you, don't look into the trees, and if you heard anything, no, you didn't. Wait, don't look into the trees? Yeah, like, don't, not like... <laughs> like, drill it into them and look inside the tree. It means, like, look up into the trees. What if this, like, what if you're in a bird watch? 
you hear not, woodpecker. You're not bird watching in Appalachia. Don't Why? Go there. Why? I mean, there are actually like really unique bird species <laughs> in Appalachia. I found out, but because these, I mean, I guess not at night. You can do it during the day. I mean, you can't see anything at night. Exactly. So just avoid looking at the trees. At okay, night. but you didn't say at night, and I just for everyone. I was listening, getting there. I was getting there. No, I saw my first woodpecker about six months ago, and it changed my life. So, it's so I true. hear a woodpecker. I'm looking anywhere, <laughs> but at night I understand. Continue. So Alexis would be snatched away immediately. <laughs> yes, I would. That's I also saying. would not ever be hiking. So, at night. In general. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, here we go. They hear these whispering, this whispering, laughing screams for sometimes hours at a time at night. So, typically, those, like, locals will say um, the most active time is from around 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. Of course it is. And, I mean, could you just imagine, though, like, if you live in the area, it's just, like, 1 a.m. and you hear just screaming blood curdling screaming and you're just like all right good see that sounds scary but if it's like 1 a.m and i'm having a good time and i just hear laughter i'll just laugh too that's so unhinged (laughs) (laughs) it's called spreading joy mackenzie yeah so i don't have any joy to give but back to appalachia (laughs) um it's pretty unique in that it has your standard bigfoot sightings and traditional middle of the woods scary stories cryptids, all of that. But more interestingly, in my opinion, is the depth and range of folklore that is specifically and uniquely Appalachian. So if you're unfamiliar with like the mountain range, it runs through 18 states and DC, if you include the foothills, which is like the lower ridges of the mountains. I am not including the foothills. Then it's 13 states. You didn't think I'd be ready with that fact, did no, you? No, but of course okay. it's 13. Yeah, 13 states, if you don't include the foothills. Um, it runs from... In the U.S. anyway. It runs from Maine all the way down to Alabama um, and includes three countries. So, obviously, the U.S., Canada, because the northern part does run into Canada. Canadian. Yep. And technically France, because... (laughs) Pangea. Because they pass through the archipelago of Saint-Pierre and Miquelon. I definitely mispronounced the second one, which is the territory of France. Oh, wow. More, you know. So not because of Pangea. Not because of Pangea. Okay, thank you for letting me say that. And I'm not affecting you. I mean, it does come up later, though. So you... Pangea? Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I fuck with Pangea. So there are currently four main sections that run longitudinal at a... <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was going to fuck this up. So there are currently four main sections that run longitudinal at a slight angle. So from... The most west to the most east, they are the Appalachian Plateau. So that's more like um, Ohio. I almost said Hawaii. (laughs) That's more like Ohio. Then you have the Valley and Ridge Providence. Well, I'll tell you what those are in a minute. Blue Ridge Providence and the Piedmont, which is the foothills. So PA mostly has the plateau, like the edges of the plateau, and then the Valley Ridge sections. But by us in Philly, um, we have a little bit of the area of the Piedmont, like the foothills. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. It's then broken down latitudinally i don't know if that's how you say that but i'm doing my best here i think it's latitudinally no (laughs) horizontally horizontally into three very large regions directly named northern central and southern love it in um the britannical article written by wilma diekman she provides examples for the best known ranges in each region so the northern section you have the white mountains in new hampshire 
um, the Green Mountains in Vermont. The central region is known especially for the Berkshires in Massachusetts, the Catskill Mountains in New York, the Poconos in Pennsylvania, what, what? The Allegheny Allegheny Mountains that stretch from Pennsylvania to southwestern Virginia, and then the nearly parallel Blue Ridge Mountains that run from Pennsylvania to Georgia. Um, And then the most renowned southern ranges are the Cumberland Plateau, which is in parts of Kentucky, Georgia, Alabama, and Tennessee. And then, of course, the Great Smoky Mountains, which are located in Tennessee and North Carolina. So it's important to understand that when referencing Appalachian culture specifically, it's usually focused on the central and southern regions of Appalachia. This is because there's a mix of European immigrants, early colonists, African slaves, and native populations that we'll talk about um, in a little bit. And then they had all their culture kind of blend together and then we're very isolated to, so the outcome that we have today is like this very distinct Appalachian culture. And it makes sense if you go through some of this folklore, you'll be able to see European, African, and Native American influences within the different stories. It's just so fascinating to really like dive into. So we're going to jump into our first, and honestly, probably the most modern of the legends. It's called uh, The Scorched Man. I love that. I don't know if you will. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So this tale is actually published in October of 2012 by Blue Ridge Outdoors, which is an Appalachian digital and print magazine, and was written as a true ghost story experienced by the author himself, Brad Wayne. Yes, Brad. Brad. Brad, Brad's been through it. (laughs) He's he's, he's been through it. Sorry, Brad. (laughs) Sorry, Brad. We're here for you. Um, his article kind of details the unsettling encounter he had while hiking the Appalachian Trail the previous fall in 2011. So I'm going to give you a summarized account that kind of has like direct quotes or parts of the story mixed in because it's a pretty long tale. But if you'd like to read the whole story, we've included it in our show notes. Um, so just look under the resources tab. So Brad started his week long solo backpacking trip at the trailhead in Catawba in North Carolina. After parking his car at the trailhead and beginning his hike, he almost immediately started feeling uneasy. Okay, that's when you turn around and say to a friend, hey, you want to backpack with me for a week? And you know what? He originally wasn't going to go by himself, but it was kind of like a last minute thing where he was like, I have to use some vacation time. I'm going to take a week off. None of his friend's schedules lined up with his. So he actually says that at first... Um, he kind of wrote it off as him just, like, being nervous, you know, about backpacking by himself. That's fair. Don't go in the woods, kids. But right after he started feeling uneasy, he thought he kept hearing someone walking behind him or someone muttering, only to quickly turn around and no one was there. So, like I was saying, he chalked it up to nerves about adventuring alone and his first night Um, setting up camp went without incident after even having you know those uneasy feelings but the second night he was super exhausted and fell asleep pretty quickly after he settled into his tent and then kind of came to staring at the dark ceiling of his tent so at first he wasn't sure if he actually was awake or not you like when you're in between that like dreamlike state yeah and and actually being awake that's kind of where like that's kind of what he was in 
but he started to finally process the sounds that likely woke him up. He immediately became aware of heavy footsteps, quickly running around his tent and camp area. Brad heard leaves crunching and twigs snapping and what sounded like something angrily grumbling or talking to themselves. Could be a bear. Bears don't talk. (laughs) I loved how you just eliminated that for yourself. I loved hearing that. Self-correction. There you go. Though not sure if it was a dream or just his ears playing tricks on him, he said he didn't even get out of a sleeping bag, but eventually drifted back off to sleep. Which I feel like we've all done that, where it's like, what's that strange noise I hear? And you just kind of hope it goes away. So after hiking a few more miles the next day, Brad stopped again at nightfall to set up camp. And from here, I'm going to directly quote his experience as he claims. So Brad said, I managed to collect a fair amount of firewood. And by the time nightfall came, I had a small fire going with a good collection of wood piled beneath me. Under the reassuring light of the campfire, I started to become more at ease with the deafening silence of nature. I pulled a cigarette from my pocket and enjoyed a casual smoke as I put my feet up. When I tried to ditch the butt in my weakening flame, my throw was off and I landed it outside of the ashes. I got up to fix my mistake. I had to stoke the fire when I turned around to go back to my seat and I saw him. The light was low with my little fire, but I could clearly see a man reaching down with a scorched hand for my firewood. He wore red plaid with large black burns tearing at his trim and a red ashy beard that smoldered at his face. He quickly looked up and his vacant white eyes connected with mine. He gritted his teeth and scrunched his nose nose towards me before quickly leaving the ring of firelight. I was shocked. I've never experienced a fear like it. I fell back right next to my own campfire looked out into the forest and saw nothing but dark shadows and unclear objects. A blank wall of nothing, of everything, I didn't know what to do. I didn't even yell, with no one to hear me but him. So I did what every red-blooded American would do. I packed up my things and got the hell out of Dodge. I get it. It sounds scary. Mm -hmm. Don't smoke in the woods. That's how we start forest fires. That's your PSA from (laughs) Alexis, a.k.a. Smokey the Bear. So Brad goes on to say... I'm going to summarize a big chunk of this again, because it's, like I said, it's a very long um, story. Brad goes on to say that he stumbled randomly throughout the forest, following trails if he found them, but was so overcome with adrenaline and fear that he just kept moving, not really thinking about where he was going and not even sure if he packed up all of his things. Like, he didn't even know if he had his compass, things that he actually needed. Around noon the next day, he said he could tell he was getting close to civilization again. Though he couldn't directly see any houses or roads, he could tell he was close to something man-made. He found an open field and finally decided to rest after moving around all night. Almost by habit, he set up his tent, then sat in the grass next to it to eat his lunch. He said he just, like, ate, like, bites of salami and cheese. You know what? Sounds pretty good. I was gonna say, and I was like, that is the first thing I would also do after running away from a creature. That's a girl dinner. Shortly after eating his lunch... He lay down in the grass and fell asleep. And then what happens next, I'm going to directly quote from his article again. I awoke two to three hours later, for the sun had dropped down considerably, and a funny smell filled my nostrils. I blinked a few times, and when the funny smell persisted, I shot off my back with my heart beating to the sound of something troubling. What I saw was my tent, or what remained of my tent, 
for now the only thing left standing was the tent poles that dripped with oozing leftovers of my tent canvas. A bubbly layer of melted green plastic lay beneath the poles with a steady gray smoke still rising from the mess. I got up and felt the weight of the sky fall on my head. For a moment, I was sure I had woken up into a horrible nightmare. Without contemplating it much further, I grabbed my water bottle and ran through the empty pasture. By the time I made it to the gravel road, I was out of breath and dripping with sweat. I hastily chugged for my water bottle and wiped my mouth. Down the road, I could see a vehicle parked in the dust. I staggered forward with my hands on my sides and soon realized it was a sheriff's sedan, and for the first time in a long time, I couldn't have been happier to see a law enforcement vehicle. When I got closer to the vehicle, I noticed that it was parked outside of the remains of a charred house. Nothing left standing but the mailbox out front. On the way into town, I didn't tell the officer about my experience, being afraid that he might think I escaped from the loony bin, and instead asked him about the burnt-down house he had been parked in front of. The sheriff explained to me that four days prior, the same day I started my trip, the house had burnt down. They had no known cause, but there was indication of arson. Two daughters, a wife, and her husband were all in the house when the fire started and none of them made it out. Real tragic stuff, the sheriff said as he retold the story, and I could only shake my head with my bottom jaw hanging low. That's so scary. So after Brad wrote his article, other people on Reddit have made claims about seeing the same scorched man or scorched people while hiking in the same area of Appalachia. Um, in fact, it gained so much notoriety that in the Fallout video game franchise, do you know what Fallout is? Yeah. Yeah, so obviously they have a bunch of different games, but specifically Fallout 76, they have a whole faction of monsters. Monsters? They have a whole faction of monsters that you stumble across while exploring Appalachia called the Scorched. Um, and they were once people that fell victim to the Scorched Plague and have burned body parts, tattered clothing, very similar to the man he described in his experience. I mean, listen, I think Brad is a writer. Like, he has written a couple articles. Even if his story was a little, like, embellished, I think it's interesting that other people on Reddit have had similar experiences. I mean, not to say it's super true, but it is interesting. My question is, what does the house that just burned down have to do with his experience? Like, are we, are we saying that it was the same adult man. Yeah. But how far was he from the house when he first experienced that? Well, he we don't really know. Like, he doesn't specify. Because remember, he, after he got scared, he's like, I just literally, like, ran through until I found a trail and followed it. I think it's supposed to be, I mean, if it's a ghost, he just, like, haunts the area. You know what I mean? So the guy would have died the same day that he started his journey. Uh. Yeah. But... I don't know if it was, like, he was implying because Johnny kept saying how he was smoking and had, like, smoked cigarettes. Yeah. That, like, maybe that's why the guy was following him, because he didn't want him to start a forest fire or, like, start another fire. That's what I'm saying. But, I don't know, but it's strange because um, I believe there are, like, Reddit threads that have started mentioning, they he wasn't obviously called the Scorched Man, but... There are other claims of people seeing, like, half-burned people in the Appalachian Mountains or on the Appalachian Trail. Interesting. Not a big believer right now. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Okay, so before we jump into our second story, I'm going to blow your mind with how old the Appalachian Mountain Range is. Can I guess? 
Sure. Can I guess the Are you, are you seriously going to guess, or is it going to be, like, a stupid I'm guess? I'm going to say, like, 2011. Okay, just go on. 1400s. I, incomprehensibly older. Dinosaur times. Before that. Oh, my God. Uh, squid times. I don't know what's before dinosaur times. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, first off. They are the second oldest mountain range in the world. Okay, that's not that impressive. Second to South Africa's uh, Barberton Greenstone Belt. That's impressive. So the rough estimate is that they started forming 480 million years ago during the early Paleozoic era. That sounds like it's about the squid times. You're kind of right, but also not. so. So there are estimates of the tectonic plates below them starting to form the range as far as 1.1 billion years ago. However, we can't really prove that, you know? So, I feel like after hearing that, the estimate of 480 million years ago seems much younger than the guess of 1.1 billion. But I'm going to put into perspective how old they are. The Appalachian Mountain Range is older than Saturn's rings, which formed between 1 and 400 million years ago. Older than the concept of trees that began to exist about 420 million years ago. That's wild. We love trees. They were already 180 million years old when Pangea started to form. Um, and they're older than bones themselves. Like every bone? Like all bones. All bones. And this is because there were no known living creatures on land and only invertebrates in the sea at this point. Squid times. So... They are literally older than any bone ever to exist, as far as we know, which is mind blowing to me. Pretty casual, I think. I think it's fucking insane. <laughs> <laughs> um, they were once believed to be the tallest mountain range in the world, um, taller than the Himalayas, but have been eroding slowly over the hundreds of millions of years they have existed, and now they are the shortest mountain range in the U.S. That sounds about right. Yeah, they're they're not. You know, I think it said like our. The tallest peak um, of the Appalachian mountain range is about half the height of um, the other two mountain ranges in the U.S. So the Appalachian range was originally home to many different Native American tribes, the biggest one being the Seneca and Iroquois in the north, and then the Choctaw, Cherokee, and Shawnee in the south and southern central area. There were a lot more, but they're just not mentioned nearly as much and didn't have as much of a presence. And the presence of these tribes is why we have the majority of the folklore we do for Appalachia. And many of the legends are rooted in aspects of nature um, and forests and just deeply reflective of Native American culture. And that brings us to our next story. So this is the story of Spearfinger or Utilunta. That already sounds haunting. Utilaunta, and I'm doing my best, it's in Cherokee. So, um, it's a legend that comes, like I said, from Cherokee people, specifically in the Tennessee area, in the Smoky Mountains, and is a well-known monster to all the locals that live there. She's kind of like an ancient boogeyman. Oh, we got a she-monster. Yeah. Also, I'm thrilled. Yeah. So, she's supposedly a witch made of stone hell yeah and do you want to guess why she's called spear finger my guess is that her fingers are spears <laughs> um you know what really close <laughs> she has one hand 
that has some say like instead of a hand it's the whole thing is like a sharp spear looking stone um others are that it's a normal hand but that her fingers or at least one finger is a sharp obsidian kind of stone spear well it's used for slicing but it looks like a spear so that's why we call her spear finger so anyway like i was saying before she's a witch that's made entirely of stone and with that she has almost like earth bending powers like if you watch avatar it's just gonna say like an avatar yeah so she can build move rocks and build rock bridges which is really worrying because what she'll do is if she wants to get from one mountain peak to another she'll just build a rock bridge out of the sky you know what innovation innovation an architect yeah and sometimes you'll um see her she has like an animal companion that's a raven wow i know i'm like it's almost it kind of reminds me of like maleficent kind of maleficent yeah (laughs) but she typically looks like an old woman but she can shapeshift into family members um her main goal is to lure children away from their families and this remember developed from a Cherokee legend. So it was a way for Cherokee, you know, parents to keep their kids from wandering off, especially into the woods. True. But very much became a believed part of their culture. So the thought was that um, kids would be wandering off into the woods. This old woman would see them and look kind of like a grandma, you know, or like someone like not intimidating. Like a meemaw. Yeah. Like a meemaw. <laughs> So an example of this in the story of Spearfinger is she lures a little girl um, and she was like, come over here, come to grandma, let me play with, like, let me decorate your hair. So basically she lures this little girl over. She would lure me over with that. Yeah, right? Yeah, braid my hair. Yeah. So she was like, I'll put flowers in your hair. Hell yeah. Yeah, I'll braid it. And as this little girl is kind of like laying her head on her lap so she could start doing her hair. Spearfinger will start stroking the girl's head, like lulling her to sleep into a calm. This sounds amazing. And then she takes her obsidian finger and pierces it either through their heart or the back of their neck to kill them. That's excessive. Just braid my hair, please. (laughs) Or in in some stories, she doesn't kill them in the moment, but she will just slice open their body take their liver out, and eat their liver. Why the liver? I don't know why the liver. That's her thing, though. She eats livers. It just doesn't seem like the the tastiest part. That's all I'm saying. She's into that organ meat. I don't know. But sometimes, this so this magic obsidian spear finger has a special power and that the victim can't can't feel as she slices into the skin and can't feel their liver being taken out. So sometimes she'll like slice into this child take their liver and then also the cut heals immediately so there's no proof that you've been sliced into there's just no liver there's just no liver so then obviously the child still dies they don't have a liver but it will take a little bit longer like they'll live for 12 hours or like a couple days before they die so then it became this mysterious thing and it leaves no trace do they feel the pain of not having a liver? No. But they'll, they'll, I mean, they'll wake up feeling horrific and like they're dying. But I mean, I feel like you wouldn't be like, oh my God, my liver's missing. I don't know. I feel what my liver does every day. Okay. So 
she, so if she doesn't kill the child, she'll do that. She'll take the liver out. She'll send them back on their way and they'll die shortly after. And it'll just kind of look like a mysterious thing. She kind of covers her tracks. In other stories, when she uses her obsidian spear finger nail situation to um, either kill the child through the heart or the back of the neck, she then can shapeshift into the child, like to look like the child, not like into the child's body, but to look like the child, she'll hide the body of the dead child and then just go back and pretend to be the child in that family, wait till like the parents and siblings are asleep, and then also take and eat their livers. Okay, so she sounds terrifying, but I also have a lot of respect for these different powers she has. <laughs> right? Like, we love a multifunctional bitch. And her skin is made of stone, so it's super hard to kill her. The Cherokee people have tried shooting her with arrows, and supposedly the arrows would just bounce off her skin or would, like, shatter when hitting her, but would never actually pierce her. Have we tried dynamite? I don't think they had dynamite readily available at the time. But if she was made of stone, you no, know, that's a good, that's a good theory. Have we tried, this is a callback from the first episode, mustard gas. <laughs> we have not tried the ammonia and bleach mix together. Okay, let's add that to the list of things to try. Okay, all right. Um, so this is the, her one drawback. The way that you kill her um, is by shooting her in the heart. And you're like, all right, fair. Sounds a little difficult because um, she, her skin can't be pierced. Right? That sounds like sounds like an advantage. Except she carries her heart in her hand. Oh. All the time. She's a romantic. That's on your sleeve. That's, that's doesn't oh, matter. They wear their heart on their sleeve. Not, I would oh, say, she carries her beating heart in her hand. I would say having it in your hand is even more romantic because you're already ready to give it to someone else. It's on your sleeve. You still gotta put it in your hand to give away. Okay, so that was that explanation. Um... <laughs> I just think it sounds inconvenient and impractical. I mean, which hand is it in? I'm a, it's in her non-obsidian spear finger hand. So is her obsidian spear finger hand her dominant hand? I don't know, I guess. But they say when she lures kids, she'll like hide it in like her robe or clothes or something. So is she right-handed or left-handed? I don't know. I, I just want to know if she's I'm sure the spear finger is on the left hand because that's, okay. that's the way it is. Not I'm not... And I don't know if she could transfer her hand or her heart from hand to hand. That would be very convenient. I know, but like, does she just not have hands? Like, how, you know what I mean? Like, does she have no, any normal? What well, doesn't matter. But <laughs> that's basically, in the original lore, the, I believe it's a chickadee, but a bird lets them know, hey, you have to shoot her in this heart in her hand. That's how you kill her. So then eventually they do. They kill her, supposedly. And then they're like, yay, Spearfinger's dead. However, there's legends that she is, like, this ancient, ancient being that's before humans. Like, before, like, one of the earliest kinds of power. Before squids? Before squids, yeah. Um, And that she will just continue to exist. And, like, you have killed this one form of her, but she will just come back. Maybe not in the same area. You know, maybe, always in Appalachia, but maybe at a different mountain range to a different tribe like the spirit of spearfinger will always exist she's resilient <laughs> she is resilient she's a resilient queen <laughs> but 
it worked for a lot of kids and they, you know, they stayed in line and parents would say to their children that they would warn them that Spearfinger would try to look like their grandmother or their aunt or someone that they know to lure them away and to not ever just wander off into the woods. So, I mean, obviously that's kind of like their version of a boogeyman story, but her tell like tale to see if she's coming is a lot of times she'll sing it's it's in Cherokee obviously but the translation is very direct I will eat your livers but she'll sing it in like a very sing-songy way that's almost like enticing almost like Sarah in Hocus Pocus when she sings like come little children which one is Sarah I've only seen it once oh my god you know I've only seen it once she's I think Sarah Jessica Parker the blonde one like, come little children, she enchants them. Kind of the same sort of way. I mean, not as beautiful as of a song. It's, I'm going to eat your liver. But um, it's very, it's supposed to be like, an, an, like a, it makes a trance, essentially. So she, um, she's putting in the work. But yeah, Spearfinger is still alive and well in the minds of a lot of, I mean, definitely Native Americans that still live in the area. But also a lot of locals. Um, she's kind of become... Her own legend. They were actually going to make a movie about it. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was supposed to start filming, I think, like, 2019. Right now, it's still, if you look it up on... Because if you... It comes up on IMDb. It still says pre-production. So, oh. I don't know if it'll actually end up panning out. I would watch it as long as it was done respectfully. That's true. I do think they're having Native American actors and consultants involved. But I honestly don't know if it's, it's, it looks like a lower budget film. Like, I don't think it's a big production company. Yeah. So I don't know if it'll actually ever get out of the pre-production phase. I thought to end, we could uh, go over five Appalachian superstitions so that you don't have to think about the Scorched Man and uh, Spearfinger or Util Unta coming for you. So here are my top five. I found a ton. And some of them are pretty basic or like ones that I've heard before. Like you don't do uh, laundry on New Year's Day because you'll wash away good luck or a loved one. Or... So a lot of these involve um, women and children. Most of them. Of course they do. But it, they're really, the, the five I picked out are, they are gems. Um, first one. It is a really big superstition to not let a pregnant woman see a dead person or the baby will have a birthmark. Okay, so the first part is fair. Really shouldn't let a lot of people see dead people. I would say most people would not yes. want to see a dead person. Yeah. And like the stress of that on mm-hmm. a pregnant woman, you don't want. Yeah. But also, what's wrong with having a birthmark? I mean, I want to know exactly how many dead people my mother saw because I am covered in birthmarks. That's true. I have a giant one. So does that mean that it, at one time it was multiple dead people? Maybe. Well, I need, I have a lot of questions now. All right. The next one feels very Appalachian to me. If a bad storm is coming, put a two-edged axe into a stump facing the storm to ensure the storm goes around you. You know what? I could see you doing that. I mean, why not? Like, was it? Why not? Who's it hurting? That's what I'm saying. A stump? It's a stump already. So, can we like, it is stuff <laughs> Yeah. So, it sounds all right to me. That yeah, that sounds that sounds easily doable. Okay. Third one. Run a chicken over your baby to keep it from getting chicken pox. Wait. Run a chicken over your baby 
So, okay. To so, keep it from getting chicken pox. How does this work? The baby's laying down, you pick up a chicken, and, I, like... And, like, rub its face? Like, I don't know. Can you just, like, take a feather from a chicken? It says a chicken. It can doesn't... you just use an egg? No. <laughs> from a chicken? It says literally run a chicken over your baby to keep it from getting chicken pox. Could it be, like, maybe a like, rubber chicken? Maybe, like, above. Like, not actually rub, like, touching. This is disgusting. But could it be, like, a chicken wing? No, I think it needs to be, like, a chicken. Like, like a whole live like chicken. Like a whole live squawking chicken. I would rather take my chances with chicken pox. Right? Uh, four. Wear a buckeye in your bra to ward off rheumatism. What is a buckeye? I know that it's an Ohio dessert. Oh, that's not but, Okay. Um, it's the dessert of Ohio. Okay, all right. <laughs> all right, I forgot. She's very protective of the Midwest. Not really Ohio, though. No offense. Okay. She will go to war, though, over the Midwest. Over some of Um... So a buckeye, not that's like not the little dessert sweet situation. It's almost like an acorn. It's not an acorn, but it's like the same kind of seed, nut. So. I don't know, but it, it looks. It kind of looks like an acorn. So you put it in your without bow. the little top hat. You put it in your bra. Yeah. And what was the rest of it? <laughs> you just got the. You put it in your bra. That's it. <laughs> um, and it wards off rheumatism. What if you're not wearing a bra? The, yeah, these are my thoughts. First of all, I was like, what about the men? Men can wear bras. They can wear them, but they don't naturally wear them. So I'm like, if you, it's like <laughs> rheumatism or bra, you gotta pick. Nobody naturally wears a bra. Also, I didn't know what rheumatism was. Like, I knew what rheumatism arthritis was. Rheumatoid. But, yep, rheumatoid arthritis, that's it. Um, But it's an undiagnosed affliction. It's basically just like aches and pains, like joints being stiff like that kind of thing you know what i want to put a buckeye in my i was bra. gonna say you I out of I anyone that. i know should put a buckeye in your bra maybe a couple maybe <laughs> i will put a buckeye in each bra <laughs> i'll size up and i'll just fill this <laughs> empty space <laughs> with buckeyes that's it you'll never have an ache or pain ever again wow that's ideal you will have a lumpy chest but i mean i do have a question yeah why specifically the undergarment of bra i don't why know not stock why not underwear? Yeah, you would think underwear because like that's unisex. Everyone so should wear underwear. That's true. I don't know why bra, but I don't know. I didn't make it up. All right, and the last one. Your baby has to fall off the bed before their first birthday. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, you know that there was a baby that took a bad fall and the other parents or family members like tried to comfort the parents mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by being like, my kid fell off the bed. Look at it. They're fine. And parents just made that up to make other parents feel better. Like it, it just, it, it should happen. It needs to happen. But what happens if it doesn't happen? It doesn't say. So It just says like, it. I guess maybe on the eve of their first birthday, you got to push them off if they don't do it naturally. Seems like it's fake. Yeah, parents definitely made that up. Like, without a doubt, it was to make everyone feel better. Um, which I don't judge them for, but I don't think we should be following that superstition. No. If we don't have to. It seems like it's not helpful. Yeah, I feel like it just... The other ones were helpful. Mostly. This one's too vague. Yeah. So if you want to learn more about Appalachian superstitions, I have them linked in the show notes. They're amazing. Give them a look. Um, incorporate them into your life. Maybe or don't. Definitely the Buckeyes. Absolutely the Buckeyes. Absolutely the Buckeyes. Well, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Follow us on Instagram at... The Spectral Pod. 
Yep. To see uh, accompanying images for each episode, get teasers for our next one. We also share some fun things that um, anyone that likes the podcast will probably also like. And please keep listening. Uh, Good night. Sleep tight. And don't the spear finger witch eat your liver. Bye. Or do letter because you won't feel it anyway. That's right. Bye. Bye.